2: Everybody resonates so well; it's the best kind of flow you could ask for, and we never really run out of things to talk about. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank all my guests, my audience, uh, my co-hosts and sponsors. You guys are all incredible, and the uh, the show is just getting more and more popular every single day. Um, I hope everybody is excited for the weekend, like I always say. Thursday is always a huge relief and a, a good feeling because the weekend is approaching, and uh, you know I always love my weekends, uh, especially after these long weeks. I will tell you. Um, remember, our show is listened to in twenty-five different countries on nearly seventy online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need twenty-four-seven breaking news coverage, visit my media site. V next N E S USA.com. Also, remember, I will be launching my new 24 7 media network in about a month. We are a little bit behind because we're, we, uh, like I said on the show the other night, uh, we had one investor bail, but then we found, we got that, we got another investor to basically fill the void. So now we got all three investors. And, you know, we're looking at probably a September release. Uh, a lot, a lot of exciting stuff attached to this new network. Um, we have a bunch of money raised, uh, many notable people doing their own shows, big names, and my friend, America's Stuff, a sheriff, Joe Arpaio, and director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer, those two guys, will be the main faces of the network. And as everybody knows, they have millions and millions of followers, very excited to bring them aboard, and lucky and, and uh, fortunate to call them friends. Um. I, I want to get into a lot of stuff tonight, guys. We have a, a huge, huge show. Um, I will introduce the panel as usual. On the line right now, we have founder of Republicans United, founder of College Republicans United, and currently the leader of Nationalists United, Kevin DePyper. Kevin, how are you?
3: I'm doing very well, Rory. I hope you and your listeners are doing fantastic as well, and I'm looking forward to another great show.
4: Absolutely, my friend. Well, it's great to have
3: you
2: here. Uh, I would also uh, like to,
5: let's see, who do we
2: have? making sure (laughs) to have political strategist and ambassador at Turning Point USA, Joe. Hey, Joe, do I pronounce your name? How do I pronounce it, Joe, just so I know? Uh,
6: Joe Basrawi.
2: Okay, remember. so Bass, Rawi, Rawi, do I say the W? You got it. Yes. Okay, perfect. (laughs) All right. Welcome to the show, man. I'm glad to have you here.
6: I'm glad to be here. I hope everything's good uh, good with you, and uh, hello to all all the listeners around the world. Thanks,
2: buddy. I appreciate that. Uh, Let's also welcome, uh, I believe we have Mark on the line from Ohio. Mark, how are you?
5: I'm doing just fine tonight. Uh, Rory, I want to say hi to your audience, I'm looking forward to another great show.
2: Thank you, my friend. Well, great to have you here. Uh, I also would like to welcome to the show a meteorologist, media commentator, activist, and historian, Arch Kennedy. Arch, how are you?
7: Rory,
8: my man, glad to be here, and I want to say congratulations on that new network. I'll I'll be looking forward to seeing how it goes in September.
2: Yep. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, it's been a long time coming. So uh, definitely uh, exciting times for sure. And it's perfect timing because of political season. Right. So, everybody, we got – there is quite a few things to talk about tonight. We got headline after headline. Since
4: I've since I've been live – I haven't been live since Tuesday and so much has happened. Uh, but I'll tell you what, guys. This mainstream media, I mean, they're off their fucking rocker. Excuse my French. But they, I, you know what, I know I
2: talk about the media constantly, but they're going to all new lows. I mean, these people are desperate. They're vultures. They'll spin whatever fits their narrative. These are sick, sick people. And like I said many times on my show, journalism is dead. It's 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 all opinions. Journalism is dead. There's no such thing
4: as journalism anymore. It's fictional stories that basically sound sound appealing to their audience. You have these people, these writers
2: in their cubicles all day writing these fictional stories about our president, about our party, slandering us with bullshit, lies after lie. I'm really I'm really tired of it.
4: You know there, there, there is so many things over these last couple of days uh, that have just totally been been spin. You know, and they don't, they never, they never give the full story. Never. It's it, it's either a quarter of the story, or it's or it's totally you know it's. It's, it's never, it never adds up the, with these people. You know, and I'll give you an example. Illegal aliens in our country, ICE does the biggest raid in history today. 600 and, 680 illegal aliens uh, apprehended it and taken away. And the, main, the, the liberal media tries to call this hateful.
2: People breaking our laws and being our co- in our country illegally, and the mainstream media tells their sheep that this is inhumane. This isn't, you know, and the media tries
4: to say that they have every right to be here. Really? What right do they have to be here? Please, tell me. Tell me. If you say that they contribute to
2: our economy, that's not good enough. Yes, yeah, some of them do, and I respect them for that, but that doesn't give them the right to be in our country illegally. And don't forget about a lot
4: of them that preload off of us. And don't, don't you know, forget about the constant race fading from the media.
1: They
2: constantly want to go on the attack and call our president racist over and over and over. That word is meaningless. It has no meaning anymore. But the real definition is when you win an argument with a liberal, they,
4: they, they call you racist. I mean, that's what the definition of racist means. Winning an argument with a liberal. And you have, I mean, Don Lemon, Anderson Cooper, Chris Qu- Qu- Cuomo, you know, Chris Matthews, all these people. They don't stop slandering our president. They don't stop getting bullshit facts. Chris Cuomo wants to say that the Second Amendment only came, only came into place in 2008 when Scalia passed the a, passed a law. Chris Cuomo, you're a big liar. The Second Amendment and right to bear arms has been there forever. It's been there forever, and I know your sheep that watch CNN are obviously going to agree with you because they're dumber than shit and they have nothing else
2: to, to look at and they don't, you know, they're so jaded and brainwashed. And and understand this, guys. There's a valid reason why CNN's ratings this year have gone down 40 percent. Yeah, you heard that right, 40 percent. The only reason they're still on the air is because they're in airports all over the country. The airports have contracts with CNN, keeping their channel on. You know how when you're in most airports and you want to watch the news, but you don't have any ch- other
4: choice but to watch, you know, lay CNN? That, I mean, that, that's because they have a contract with them. It's sick. And they, they're, they're, they, for, they shove this stuff down people's throats. And I've said so many times um, throughout this show, people on both sides of the aisle will share media stories or go, go off media stories without checking any facts, without checking their references. There is so much fake news on the Internet. You know? And the mainstream media wants to portrait, and I'll give you another fake thing,
2: They want to portray, like, black Americans and Hispanic Americans, you know, that they they support illegal immigration. No, that's not true. You know, CNN and these, these stations want to pretend that most colored people support other colored people coming from other countries. That's how racist stations like CNN are. They generalize. But a poll came out today. Majority of black and Hispanic Americans do not support illegal immigration candidates. And candidates that support illegal
4: immigration, black majority of black and Hispanic Americans do not do not approve. So, you know, it, it's it's just this, this false reporting constantly. And they say stuff, well, oh, Trump pays black people to be at his rallies. I mean ignorant statements like that. You know, it's 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 over it's, it's it's just repetitive. Um,
2: and you know what really bothered me? Something that came out in the news this week, um, the New York Times, the failing New York Times, as Trump would say, put out a story, you know, saying that Trump, you know, this is one of the first stories, only story they ever put out that was positive about our president, and, and it, it said that he was calling for unity. And the liberal, the liberals, voters in the media, mainstream media, went berserk, and then they started calling the New York Times right-wing, you know, Russian propaganda, just because the New York Times put one article out, you're going to start,
4: and they started boycotting, and then the New York Times was forced to retract their article, and then they put up a more middle ground headline. To, to, you know, to to appeal and and to, you know, to settle with the liberals. When has the New York Times ever been pro-Republican? Never, liberals. They've always been on your side, Democrats. They've never been on our side. Just a crap. I mean, seriously, in New York Times, shame on you. No backbone at all. You know, and this whole fake news about Baltimore, you know, mainstream media, stop saying how great Baltimore is. Nobody wants to go visit that shithole. I was just on the East Coast a couple weeks ago, last month, and I went pretty much everywhere on the East Coast, New York, Boston, um, Philadelphia, drove right past Baltimore, had no interest even stopping there, never been there, never want to go there. And you know, Trump supporters, which I give them strong props for,
2: were out in Baltimore this past week picking up trash. There were sidewalks and sidewalks filled with trash and feces, and Trump supporters went to go pick it up. There were—I mean, that tells a lot about our party. I mean, the
4: kind of people we are. Plot facts, that's for sure. Um, I want to play this clip. You know, Don Jr. really. Um, you know, puts
2: this into perspective, you know, what what we're dealing with with the media and what we're dealing with with the Democratic Party. I mean, it's very, very simple. Uh, One five.
9: You saw him walk out just a moment ago, and now you're about to see a foreshot of the couch. It's, it's time to bring in Donald Trump, Jr., executive vice president of the Trump Organization, son of President Trump, and a great warm up act for your dad
0: uh,
10: before all those rallies, which I know you really enjoy doing, right? I, I do. It's, it's just great to see those you know, real Americans who are really reaping the benefits of everything that's going on because of the Trump economy, because of the common sense policies that my father has been able to put into place. I mean, Everyone's winning and you see the outpouring. You see that emotion at those rallies. You also see sort of you know, the media disdain for those hardworking people afterwards. I mean, I remember especially Orlando because it was so hot and you know, wet and raining and people were there for 40 hours and watching the media the, you know, that night. Oh. Did you see those people in their flip-flops? Oh, that's their formal attire. Oh, it's really sick. And that's the world where we're in.
11: What's your reaction to what people are saying about your dad? Your dad's going to go to Dayton, Ohio first, then he's going to go to El Paso. And there's some people down there, especially in El Paso, saying they don't want your dad there.
10: Well, listen, I I think he's the president for all people. I think he has to do something. I think he did something, you know, amazing. I thought his speech the other day was great. He recognized and spoke about the issues. But then again, that's never enough. Right? You can see what happened with the New York Times and the headlines there, right? Mm-hmm. They put up actually what happened, an objective headline, and then they were hit by the mob. And the mob went after them, and they caved to that pressure because... New York Times changed their headline. Yeah, this right. is the New York Times. I mean, they're supposed to be above reproach, but they're not. They caved to the Twitter mob and gave their viewers what they wanted, as opposed to the actual news and that's a scary place to be
12: let's go ahead and show the folks what you're talking about the original New York Times headline was Trump urges unity versus racism right there right mm-hmm. uh and then uh Kristen gillibrand said that's not what happened beto o'rourke said unbelievable cory booker said lives literally depend on you doing better means so, to the new york times they were warning the new york times they were complaining about the headline and so uh they the new york times looked at it and they said okay we made a mistake so they adjusted it to say this assailing hate but not guns and dean Baquet. The uh, executive editor said to Politico, the fact that Beto O'Rourke and Cory Booker didn't like it didn't influence me. I don't need the entire political field to tell me we wrote a bad headline. It was evident. Uh,
10: It wasn't evident because it was true. But again, the New York Times doesn't function as a news organization anymore. They function as the marketing wing of the Democrat Party. Uh, So does the Washington Post and frankly most of the mainstream media and that's what it is it's not about reporting what actually happens It's not about being objective in that it's about driving forward a political agenda in their case obviously very leftist political agenda uh... and it's sick because there is no amount of effort no amount of statement that my father could give that would ever satisfy them it has to go that much further and you know, I, I've seen what these things do. I see, you know, what's going on with the Joaquin Castro craziness yeah, and putting out on. a list. I mean, that list sort of screams like the Dayton, Ohio shooters list, right? When when a radical left wing politician who's polling at about zero percent does this for either attention or a call to action, it's pretty scary. Well, I mean, that was, that was the, the same list. thing this, that the Dayton, Ohio shooter this did. is a list, and people, people should be have, fed up of this nonsense.
12: This is a list of 44. Uh, people from San Antonio who contributed. Uh, the original... To the, Castro, uh, the original quote was this. This is from Joaquin Castro. He tweeted this.
11: He said, Sad to see so many San Antonians as 2019 maximum donors to Donald Trump. The owner of blah, 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 the owner of blah, 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 the realtor, etc. Their contributions are, f- are fueling a campaign of hate that labels Hispanic immigrants as invaders. So he's not necessarily saying go and do something dangerous to these people
1: it's Completely it's you know than that. For,
11: for perhaps not to
10: reasonable that. people but when the fringe crazies on both sides and we saw that in the last week right you had fringe crazies on all sides they see that man you're now you're going after ordinary citizens people who just are taking yep. part in a political process honestly imagine i did that imagine i put a list of you know Joaquin Castro's donors now our people don't. List. Our people don't weaponize. Good point.
1: Yeah.
10: Our people don't weaponize the political system. You know, the same way we don't do the organized boycotts that the left does and these kind of things. But publishing these people's their place of work, trying to maybe maybe their bosses see it. Maybe their bosses have a different. You know, they're literally trying to punish these individuals they see that also because they're scared of what we've been able to do they see that we're raising a lot of money because people are excited about what's going on they see the economy they see the numbers they actually see progress for the american worker for the first time in decades well, and the, that scares the hell out well, of the democrats the one thing that's been noticed is that for the first time a president's been blamed his words have been blamed for the shootings that took place yeah, they, they don't ohio. blame elizabeth warren for the dayton ohio shooter they don't blame Bernie Sanders for the congressional. And they shouldn't. Right, they shouldn't. But if it's Trump, obviously it's him. Wait, the double standard, double standard is insane, guys. I mean, I've been pretty vocal about this for quite some time. Um, but when you take that double standard, when you take sort of the filter that the mainstream media uses to get messaging out, then you add in the influence of social media and big tech. To try to change right. a message, to try to do damage to one side and not the other. So it's a you scary say, place so that we live. Right, so when you say big tech, are you talking about Google? Because you're, yeah, yeah, you're talking of about all. I'm talking about today. all of them. Uh, you know, I, and I've been, you know, saying this. You know, I've been hit, you know, by Instagram and these guys for, you know, just asking questions. I mean, right. I, I've seen, you know, they've weaponized that against me. If they can do it to me, right. if they can do it to the president of the United States, what can't they do to regular citizens? It's, right. it's a scary place that we're in. Your dad's a hunter. Uh, excuse me. Your dad's a golfer. You're more of a hunter. Yeah. You're a, a pro-gun guy. You do it for sport. I do. You're concerned, uh, even with Lindsey
0: Graham coming out with this red flag law uh, uh, proposal that he was. Uh,
10: Blumenthal uh, is supporting as well and now you have John Thune seems to be doing that. What is your greatest concern? Well, listen, I haven't seen what they've put out, so I don't know. What I've seen in the past as it relates to red flag laws is sort of the the total lack of due process, right? Someone can randomly call. My, My neighbor may not like me, right? He can call, say that, you know, I fear for my life, I fear for him, he's a danger to himself. Someone comes over, confiscates your stuff, you spend five years and tens of thousands of dollars trying to get justice. You know what? I can maybe weather that storm i don 't think the average American can, and and that's a scary process. I mean, I think there would need to be rapid, free, due process because again i 'm not worried about it in this administration, but in a future potentially more leftist administration, I could see them weaponizing this, and trust me when you 've been through what I 've been through for the last two and a half years, you have to be pretty cynical about big government, their ability to weaponize a narrative as they did with Russia for two and a half years, so you know it, no one wants crazy people to be able to get guns. No one wants dangerous people to be able to get guns. But that doesn't mean you can just allow someone to abjectly weaponize the system against people who don't fit any of those things. Right. And again, create an environment where, oh, in the end, after years and after tens of thousands of dollars you that most of them back. can't spend, yeah. you maybe get it back. All That's right. not right either, in right. my opinion. Oh, yeah. so it was great to see you, done Done. And, and just to
12: reiterate, uh, the hit list from the Dayton, uh, the guy from Dayton, was that was a kill list. The Castro list was a list of donors.
10: Yeah, correct. But I think it's the fact that do. we're making lists of our political enemies and trying to create that narrative is scary. And again, right. if someone on our Thanks. campaign did that, it would be rough. Thank you so much, so much for being here. Great to see. You.
4: He's exactly. absolutely right. So well said. So perfectly spot on. And. I mean
2: the media, yeah. I mean, you know, going going into what he said about the shooting. I mean, look at how dishonest the media was. They lied about nine different things in the uh, shooter's manifesto. Um, in the in the Dayton shooter's manifesto.
4: I mean, it, it's like they spin they spin the entire narrative to. Oh no, the the they, the, it was the it was the
2: El Paso shooter. My bad, but. Still, I mean nine themes in his manifesto that were ignored by the mainstream media. You know, it's just crazy. It's crazy. And it's always the first thing they do is blame Trump. They the first thing they want to report is, This is a white nationalist, this is a Trump supporter, this is a Nazi, this is somebody out of control. I mean, come on, seriously. Um, let's let's go to Kevin. Kevin, go ahead.
6: Yeah, well, you and
3: uh, Donald Trump Jr. are totally correct. I mean, I'm not going to mince my words here. And the fact is that America has fallen victim to an absolute colossal terrorist threat. And the terrorists are all within. I'm talking about the media. I'm talking about big tech. I'm talking about all these large, you know, multinational corporations that are using their power and
2: influence to. And he's,
3: Kevin, he's
2: right. Trump's right. Donald Trump's right when he says every time he says the media is the enemy of the people because they're they're trying to take us back, you know, years and years into communism, you know, situations. But go ahead. Sorry.
3: Yes, and they always have been the the biggest threat because they control the narrative. They control what everyone's talking about at at all times, and they don't need to tell the truth. They could lie as much as they want, and they get off scot-free every single time. And where else can you actually, you know, lie and defame someone as a regular citizen and you could absolutely in every case get sued and you know liable for the things that you said not the media they, they're scot-free every time so uh, there needs there absolutely needs to be pushback against the media I mean they're, they're publishing things that are that are not true and it's affecting all of America and, and indirectly it's affecting all of the, the world and this is a big you know turning point in political history where there is a big election coming up and we have absolutely you know scores of leftists that are uh you know out for for blood so to speak against our president and against all of his supporters or anyone that's even you know remotely uh, to the right of center and so even being a leftist as, as donald trump jr was saying uh having somewhat of an objective viewpoint or Having, you know, not so slamming of a president and all of that gets uh, retracted in a New York Times article, uh, you know, you can't even be, you know, soft. You have to be hard left at, at all times, it seems like, and, and that's the way that it's going. So I wasn't necessarily happy with how how Trump had handled this last week because it seemed like he goes, you know, above and beyond to, you know, show his condolences for the, the victims that have died. And, he you know, he does everything to try to appease the left and, and you know, without – uh, conceding on his, his morals, but you know, every time he peases the left. I mean, that's that's moving the window to the left. And he he's not making a, a big enough impact for you know fighting for the right and what we need to uh, accomplish. We don't we don't want gun control. We don't want regulation of video games, or we don't want to empower these big tech companies in order to potentially censor or you know look out for people that could potentially be deemed domestic terrorists just because you know they they may have more you know right-wing or extreme views i mean even considering white supremacy is now such a a big topic because of all this and you're gonna let the these big tech companies or these media companies decide what white supremacy is i mean you you could be deemed a white supremacist just by you know slightly criticizing multiculturalism or praising the western civilization that brought us this absolutely amazing country or, you know, advocating for any sort of immigration restrictions or the wall or, I mean, any of these, you know, right-wing viewpoints that is traditionally came from white civilizations. I mean, that could get you deemed as, you know, a hate monger. I mean, we see it all the time through Trump's presidency. They call him a racist, a bigot, everything. I mean, you're giving, you're potentially giving power to these people who you know, they will have the the last say as to who is this hate mongering figure. So we can never ever concede uh, our our morals, especially our Republican morals. And and secondly, you have to always remember that it's really this bipartisan legislation. It's it's not a good thing when I at least when I hear about bipartisanship. It you know it really means that if the leftists agree with it, then it really just means that the right is conceding. And negotiating away their rights in order to you know pass something get something done so uh, i don't see any explanation or reason why we should you know have bipartisan legislation trump should act and uh, not so much uh, focus on on congress to to get things done
2: yeah i agree i agree very well said and i also think there needs to be trump needs to do something to, to hold this media accountable i mean it's it's getting out of control what they're what they're reporting what they're writing it's just it's simple i mean it is um arch arch go ahead
8: i think we learned two two things this week well i think two things were solidified this week one is trump nothing trump can say will appease democrats nothing he could he could say the air he can say you know mm-hmm. The air is good to breathe, and Democrats would stop breathing. I mean, that's how extreme it is. But, uh, you know, when he, and we saw this because when he, um, when he uh, spoke out against the white supremacy and whatnot after the two events, El Paso and Dayton, uh, we also found, we also saw that the Democrats have literally nothing, nothing. They lost out on their. Witch hunt their Russian collusion conspiracy. That lie died out. So now, well, this week, uh, racism has died out. Now, and so the new term is white supremacy. Um, it's I find, frankly, I, I I find it insulting, and I think many Americans probably find it insulting, uh, to, insulting to our intelligence. All one has to do, for instance, on the Charlottesville uh, incident, for two years we have been trying debunking the lie that Trump said you know all neo nazis are are you know there's some good people on uh, in that group um the news outlets the the lamestream media constantly constantly um you know took the clip and then didn't you know took it out of context and all all you have to do is it's real google's really easy it's really easy to go and find the whole clip and uh but you know this they they have no platform the The Democrat Party is the party of in twenty nineteen it is the party of lawlessness, illegal immigration, sanctuary cities and and murder of 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 infanticide, literally I mean you know we can all sit and debate about timing. you know everybody's got it's a, you know the abortion issue, but they have gone so radical left now that the that all of them, the party's agenda is to that abortion is fine up until birth and even after birth. Now, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's nuts. I mean, you don't even have to be a Christian, man, to to know that that's just that's insane. I mean, it's just it's it's evil. And I think that you know, I used to say that oh, the media they're so they're they're so biased and they're telling so many lies now. And not getting out the truth, but you know what? We have people like you, Rory. We have um, people like James O'Keefe that are doing real journalism, investigative journalism now that are countering this, and I think Americans are not as stupid as, as some may think they are. I think they're smarter than you, th- than, than you realize, and I think, they, I think there is a, a big um, majority of people that, that remain silent, that don't want to speak out that know they're voting for Donald Trump uh, come, coming next year in 2020. And I think that, you know, all of the Trump haters on the conservative side that didn't go with him, I think in the in the first go round. I think undoubtedly now they are on his side after they're seeing that he is keeping the promises.
2: Yeah, I, ab- I absolutely agree with you. 100%. Um, I, I do, I do want to get to a few more. I got like one or two more people to get on the call. And then um, I'm going to go to commercial, and then we're going to uh, introduce uh, Congressman uh, Tom Cicredo, which I'm very excited to talk to him. Um, let me – let's
5: see here. Uh, Mark,
2: Mark in Ohio, go ahead.
5: I I have to agree. Uh, uh, mainstream media, they've strayed away from the uh, point of being journalists so far that that's, that's left in the dust. Um, they do everything they can to change the narrative against against Trump. They do it every day. They've been doing it since since 2015. Um, it, it's it's to a point that I think most American people see through that now. And and like yeah. Archer just said, there's a lot of people that. That are are just laying low and being quiet and are gonna vote for Trump. You can't tell me that, you know, even even some of these Democrats that you know see their paychecks went up and their 401k is doing good are just gonna vote Democrat just because they don't like Trump. They're not gonna give away their paycheck to to vote for a Democrat. we are gonna vote for Trump because it's all about the money when it comes down to the bottom of it. So. You know they can keep they can keep spewing this hate, but they've been doing it so long, and Trump's been calling them out like the master troller he is. That more and more Americans are seeing through this garbage. It's going to come to an end.
2: Yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. Um, Joe in Pennsylvania. Then I'm going to take a commercial, and then we're going to inter- introduce uh, Tom Tancredo, congressman, which I'm very excited to talk to him. Uh, go go ahead, though. Um, um, I believe you're on the line, Joe. Go ahead.
11: In Pennsylvania. Yeah.
6: So, you know, I, I think that the left will do absolutely anything uh, in order to impeach Trump and to make Trump look bad and have Trump lose in 2020. The great thing about it is that any, everything they do is really helping us because the American people are are waking up. They are seeing the lies. They are seeing the what the media is doing to them, and they're not liking it. They're seeing the truth, and I think that. 2020 is going to be tough for us, but we cannot, absolutely cannot be lazy about it. Just because we won in 2016 doesn't mean we're going to win in a landslide in 2020. One thing that I think we need to really focus on as well is not only the lies and the deception from the media and the left, but as well as we need to make sure that we keep our president accountable. We need to make sure we keep our congresspeople accountable as well. They are representing us, the American people. And I am very much so not happy with how not only Donald Trump, our president, but as well as Representative Dan Crenshaw, Lindsey Graham, and many other Republicans are messing with pursuing, the second amendment. They're Exactly. They're pursuing regulation against our God given right to protect ourselves, not only against uh, domestic threats, but as well as a tyrannical government. And I think it's absolutely pathetic. And it's disgusting that I'm now seeing Republicans going after such a terrible, unconstitutional uh, piece of legislation.
2: Yeah, man, I'm really getting upset about it, too. I mean, the caving needs to stop. They need to stop giving in. You know, it's like I've always said this, and I'll say it again. I've said it so many times on my show. You give the Democrats an inch, they'll take a damn mile. And I was pissed off. You know, I agree with – Everything Trump does, except, like, during his presidency, there's been, like, two or three things I've disagreed with. One of them was the bump stock ban. Like I said, stay away from the Second Amendment. The other was the ominous, ominous bill, which I thought was a bad. We should have never signed that. And now I'm trying to think of the other thing I disagreed with him on. But I'm all with you, man. Like, just stay away from the Second Amendment. It doesn't need to be touched. I mean, it's fine the way it is. It was never written to be, you know, rewritten or re, re, re-edited. I mean, it's there to stay.
6: Yeah, and one last thing I want to touch on. Now that Trump is pursuing uh, an attack on the Second Amendment, it, this shows how, how dishonest the media is. They are still talking trash about Donald Trump. They agree with what Trump is putting out and what Trump is agreeing on. But no matter what mm-hmm. Trump says, it's bad. Trump can cure cancer, and they'll say it's racist. Right. They'll say,
2: if he cures cancer, they'll say, what about diabetes? What about AIDS? Can you do that? Can you cure that for us? Like they'll never be satisfied.
7: Precisely. It's true. It's very true.
2: Everybody, we'll be right back with U.S. Congressman Tom Tancredo. Very excited. Uh, Stay with us.
11: TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey flat-iron steak and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday's, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9
4: p.m. to close.
0: I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried
9: Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced
0: my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit.
9: Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea.
0: I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me.
9: Talk to your doctor about Chantix.
0: And
2: we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to it in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you missed any past clips, past episodes, for 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, next N-E-X, general usa.com Also remember, next month uh, in September, this is what the plan is, we will be releasing the new 24-7 media network, um, big, big stuff, I can't wait, and we will be merging it with my media site, USA. and uh, for this new 24-7 network, we will have... Uh, My good friend, America's Toughest Sheriff, Joe Arpaio, as the main face of the network, as well as my good friend, Director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. So those two guys will be the main faces. And we also will have many, many notable people doing their own shows on the network. We already have about 85% of the slots filled up. So we only need to fill like 15 more percent. So it's coming along really well. I've had conference calls with big show, show hosts. These last couple of weeks, probably almost hundred different co- almost a hundred different conference calls. Just, I mean, it's such uh, good feedback. It's so much to look forward to, and I can't wait to share it with all of you. Um, I do want to welcome you to the show, um, very, very uh, talented guy, very, very popular guy. He's done a lot in his life: a U.S. Congressman, lobbyist, ex-presidential candidate, and advisor to to the We Build the Wall campaign. Tom Tancredo. Tom. Welcome to the show.
7: Hey buddy. great. It's a great, great to be with you and just listening, honestly, for the last few minutes. Um, I, I love it. I love the people that are calling in. I love their observations, and so this is going to be fun.
2: Absolutely, my friend. Well, Tom, your first time on the show, so whenever I get people on the show for the first time, I like to, you know, get a bio. You know, how it all started for you. You know, all the different sure. accomplishments you've had in your life. How you got to where you are. You know. Just all every chapter, different different stages, the adventure, all
7: that good stuff. Well, I, I'm happy to oblige, but I have to tell you, I'm old, so therefore, well, it's you one, one hell of a
1: <laughs> Well,
7: yeah, great. Well, I started out as a, a teacher, c- junior junior high civics teacher in Arvada, Colorado, a little suburb of Denver. Uh, Denver is where I was born, where my parents were born. I taught civics, and I have always been political. And I remember arguing with my with my ninth grade and, and uh, high school teachers. Uh, I have always been conservative. Don't ask me why exactly. My parents were not really very involved politically. My mom worked for a department store for 45 years as a clerk. My dad worked for Armour and Company, a packing house here until it closed and then drove a truck. They were blue-collar people. But I was always kind of political. So I ran for the state legislature in 1976, believe it or not, 75, was elected and took office in 76 here in Colorado. Uh, Spent three terms in the Colorado legislature, and also I became – I was a Reagan delegate in 1980. Uh, I was a Reagan surrogate speaker. Hence, I got a a call shortly after uh, his election, and somebody said, you know, your name has been given to us as someone who might want to serve in this administration. And I said, like, who do I have to kill? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Sure, I want to serve in the administration. I love the guy. And um, so eventually, I mean, I did spend eight years in the Reagan administration as an appointee. Then I was appointed, reappointed by Bush I, of um, course left when Clinton came on board. Ran a think tank in Colorado called the Independence Institute for about five years. And then I ran for Congress in 1998, was elected, uh, reelected five times, and, um, and was. Um, I then um, decided to, that was uh, 10 years in, in Congress was enough for me. I, and by the way, the issue of immigration was always on the top of my list. When I was in Congress, it was my sort of political raison d'etre. And uh, I uh, constantly talked about it, I constantly pushed for secure borders for an end to illegal immigration. Um, I did it against, of course, the um, the opposition by my own leadership in the House, the, the Republican leadership, and also by the President of the United States. So much so that at one point in time, Carl Rowe, who was, of course, President Bush's uh, 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 advisor, said, um, and we got into a, a major fight on the phone as I was driving into the Capitol one day, one morning, and um, because I had criticized the president pretty severely and the leadership, and he finally told me, among other things, um, that I was a traitor to the party, and that I had um, was a traitor to the president, and that I was to never darken the doorstep of the White House. Those are his exact words.
1: And and I
7: didn't <laughs> for the remainder of my time in Congress. Um, and as I explained to him, um, and and this was an important part of my entire career, because – I was always at loggerheads with the, with the Republican establishment. It's true. And and it, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't come into Congress thinking, I know what, I'm going to be a curmudgeon and just not get along. I really thought I was going to be part of the, of the team and that we were going to do great things and reduce taxes and secure the borders and, and spend less money. And of course, we did none of those things. And the speaker at the time, Dennis Haster, used to say to me, Tommy,
5: Tommy,
1: you're
7: you're not on the team. Why don't you get on the team? And I would always say, Mr. Speaker, I've been looking for the team ever since I got here, I haven't found it yet. And so uh, this continued. Um, I finally um, decided that I, that Congress, I had burned probably every bridge that I could there, and uh, th- so I I quit. But uh, my swan song was uh, to run for the Republican nomination for president 2007. I did that uh, for the purpose. And only for the purpose of forcing the other guys on that stage. I used to say, the, the tall guys with good hair, making <laughs> if I could get all of them to just utter the words "border security" during the debates, because I was in like I don't know six or eight debates, and uh, and I came in third, by the way, in the in the Iowa straw poll out of nine people, and and that you know puts you into the debates, and you you can you have a, some cachet and and um, so. I stayed there until um, I went from February to December and then uh, knew that, you know, I'd done everything I could there and left there and came back to Colorado. I did run for governor once uh, when we had a particularly horrible candidate that was nominated by the Republican Party. And I then I I could not it was too late to run against him in, in, in the Republican Party. So I ran as a Constitution Party candidate. And I got 37 uh, percent of the vote, and the Republican got 11 <laughs> percent. And we almost, and the Republican Party came within one percent of becoming a minority party here in Colorado. Anyway, it's a lot of fun, and it's been a lot of fun. I'm now, um, I am, uh, I, I run something called the Team America PAC, which I've had for years, and I am on the board of advisors for Team uh, for uh, We Build the Wall, as you mentioned. We Build the Wall. Us is the is the um, site to go to to see what we've accomplished, and I don't think of all the things I have done, really and truly, uh, as I look back, uh, all the effort that I have put in. I, I think nothing has been as productive as this one thing: this, the creation of a uh, of a citizen-funded, privately-funded operation to do something the government said it can't do. Um, and we, we did it, and I say they can do they, – they, they, the government actually, the Border Patrol and the, and the Corps of Engineers, said that they could not build what we built, that it was too rugged, 30% grade, that we, it was too expensive. It would take $25 million. It would take maybe a year if they even did it, and they just couldn't accomplish it. Yet it was a, a corridor that had 19 routes that were abused by the cartels to smuggle people and drugs into the country. country. Um, Thousands, thousands of people coming across every, every single week. We went down there. Uh, The owner was so happy to see us. He owned the brickyard there that had to close because uh, it had been inundated. People, illegals coming through, vandalizing his equipment, stealing everything they could get their hands on. He had to walk around on his own property with a loaded 45 every day. Uh, he finally closed up the, the, the business. Well, we came in. We, we um, did what they said the government said would take literally maybe 10, 20 months, almost two years, they thought, to, to actually construct the, the wall if they ever were going to build it. And they couldn't do it up the side of this mountain. It was just too rugged. And it would cost, as I say, some $20 million. From the time that we got there, by the way, this is observable by, to anybody to go see. Um, the site is webuildthewall.us. Uh, we got there. It's right on the – it is where Texas, New Mexico, and Mexico meet at the at the Rio Grande. Um, our, our wall is on the New Mexico side. Uh, we – from the time we got there and began the permitting process, which, by the way, is the most time-consuming and difficult aspect of it, until we completed the wall, uh, three-quarters of a mile, uh, this, this took uh, 57 days. The actual construction of the wall took 11 days. The wall is better. This is, a, this is better than anything that is presently on the border, any barrier on the border, and that is per the Border Patrol. Better steel. Ours is 85-year lifetime. this government's is 25. Better sensors in the ground. Ours go out 20 or 30 yards. You can tell if it's a person or, a, or an animal. Anybody's starting to dig. Um, better lighting. We built a road alongside of it. We call it the deplorables highway. We built a road that is made out of concrete. Not in, And there's nowhere else on the border that has a, a concrete road alongside for the Border Patrol to, to use to, to, to patrol it. And uh, and we did all this, as I say, in in about a tenth of the time, and uh, for a third, our our cost was about eight and a half million dollars. And so it, it is a, an amazing accomplishment. I am extremely proud of the team that put this together. I, I not so jokingly, and maybe a little bit hyperbolic, but I call it the eighth wonder of the world because of what we had to go through to get it built. In the, we had to build it over. We built it over the um, the Labor Day Memorial Day weekend, and um, because we knew that a lot of people would be, you know, would not be watching, uh, we had to be a little bit, a little bit devious about the way we went about the. Pro, we, we kept saying yes, we're filing. did all of it. We got all the permits correct, but we kept saying we're building a fence. We're building a big fence, but didn't get much more into it. Because the, because the city there, let me tell you, it's difficult to deal with because I guarantee you corruption does not stop at the border. So it was a big job, great job, and I'm happy to have been a part of it.
4: Yeah, wow,
2: wow. I mean, everything you just said, I mean, fascinating, fascinating life, I'll tell you. We've got a lot of questions for you. So um, tell, tell us about this We Build the Wall. So you have – Correct me if I'm wrong. You, you guys have built a mile successfully, and what, what's, the, what's the next step?
7: Well, the next step is another is another wall. It uh, depends on a number of things. We have about three places, I think, in the pipeline that will be – one of them will be started, I think, relatively soon. Um, we cannot say where right now because the minute we say where it's going to be done, the other side rushes in with lawyers to try – and find uh, to, to a little judge shopping to try to stop us by saying, you know, you're you're, you're impeding the flow of butterflies. Um, and then when you think I'm joking, but that was really one of the things came up in the site we were looking at in Texas. Uh, that, 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 oh, I'm seeing, know, yeah, I'm
2: seeing it, like Antifa, all these liberal protesters, you know, coming around there yeah. and threatening to, and then lawyers and stuff. But yeah, I keep going though. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
7: No, it's all right. It's all right. It's just that – it's just that, as I say, I, I, I guarantee you there are, there's more coming. Um, and uh, as we, you know, this is all privately funded. I by the name of Brian Kofaj. Okay. Yep. He is a triple amputee veteran. Um, he comes back and and says, "Look, I I got to do something here." And maybe a little bit naively, he thought, well, if I just started, you know, he's he's reading the papers and stuff, and he says the president doesn't have the money, the Congress won't give him the money for a wall. So he goes, well, hell, man, we'll start a GoFundMe and and we'll give him the money. Well, of course, what he did not realize is that you can you can give the government money, but you can't earmark it for anything. You can't say this money is for this or that. You have, it goes in the general fund, of course, and then it's spent for anything else that they want. So we changed it from a, the strict GoFundMe to, to a 501c4 called We Build the Wall. It's private. Privately, it is a nonprofit, but it is um, purpose. I mean, the difference is we will build it. We, not the government we will take the money people give us and we will hire the contractors and we will do the engineering and we will do the the, the work necessary with all these with all the the, uh, various uh, agencies involved that are, you know, you have to go through. We'll do it. We'll do it with our own people and we will do it as I said, for a third of the cost and a 10th of the time and a 10 times better actual structure. And, and so we have raised. It is the. It is the. I understand this now. It has raised this GoFundMe. We still call it the GoFundMe because you you go to WeBuildWall.us and you can contribute. We have right. over four hundred thousand contributors at, at about sixty bucks a piece. Twenty-four five million dollars. The last time I looked. Uh, the, wow. Yeah, it is a it is a record. There's I don't think there's any other any other GoFundMe activity that has come close to this. That's how That's how inside excited people are, and and we are excited because we can tell them. Yes, look. Yes, you donated something, and by God, here it is. You can come and touch it. You can you can see it actually exists. It's stopping the flow of drugs and people across this section now. Of course. You know, we've got 1,963 miles of of border, and we can't do it all, but we can sure as help plug some of the gaps, and we can sure as help show the government how it can be done, and I'm told – I do not know this firsthand – but I'm told that the president, when he heard about what we have accomplished, <laughs> was irate, and, and called, I, I'm not sure who, somebody in the administration to raise hell and say, are you kidding? These people did it for this, and they, and it's this kind of quality, and, you know, so uh, it's, it's been great, as I say. And, and, and I, I just encourage people to please, you know, even if you can't afford to contribute, it's, like, just go look at what we did it it is absolutely amazing. Um this this 30% grade up Mount Cristo Ray it, it to to actually put these barriers up and do so both uh, securely and safely is an is an engineering marvel. And our our guy Fisher Engineer Fisher Construction he's he's just fantastic. And it's a huge firm out of North Dakota. He had 200 people he brought in. He brought in all the equipment. They worked him night and day. And as I say, even over, over uh, uh, holidays, because we were trying to get it done before they – because they did try to stop us. The city uh, sent a bunch of cops in uh, a few days afterward and said, hey, you didn't get the right stop. Yet they stopped us for 30 hours. So even in that, I say, 57 days, 30 hours of that was – we were unable to do anything because the police stopped us the police of this little tiny town uh called um i 'm um, losing i can 't remember right now i 'll think of it in a second but um uh it, it, it is where the and it's a, it is a little tiny town, but it is as i say buddy corruption doesn 't stop at the border and and there 's so much money. So much money yep. that is involved with drugs and human smuggling—it overwhelms the senses down there. It really does. Um, Sunland Park, Sunland Park—that's the name of the town. And and um, but we got—we we sent, you know, our lawyers went down there, fought the hell out of it, and we got it going again. And they said, "Well, you didn't pay enough money for for on you didn't give us enough city taxes on the concrete you bought." Uh, we had to write a check for that, but it, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, there's a lot of things you have to overcome. Just not just the, uh, you know, the, the physical terrain. There's a whole yeah. bunch of stuff.
2: And how how long how long did this, this mile take to build?
7: Well, as I say, the, the, from the time we got there and, and started the the actual process of of permitting. Which is what you have to do first, right? You have to go to the city, you have to go to the county, go through all of that crud.
2: Yeah, just just in terms of construction, though, just like the construction part.
7: 11 days. 11 days. Wow, that's it. (laughs) 11 days. And wait until you. So imagine
2: imagine what you guys could do in a year. And uh, obviously, the ultimate objective and your end goal is doing hundreds and hundreds of miles, correct?
7: Well, sure. We'll do as much as, as we have money to do, and as much as we can possibly get done. Uh, we told the president. Um, we said, "Look, uh, we had a, a a big sort of rally, you know, at the at the completion of it, and had a press deal down there, and every, everything." Of course, no no major media ever showed up, but that's okay. Folks like you did, and 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 I'm telling you, it's amazing what happens on alternative media. I guess I. Say thank oh, yeah. God for it. Thank God yeah. for it. Um oh, yeah. And so anyway, we 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 said to the president, look, we our our trucks are here over the over this hill. Monte Cristo Ray is your property. It's government property. We can't build it unless you let us. But we're here. Let us go. We've got the trucks. We got the people. We can do it, buddy. Just let us go. We'll finish Let's this go. whole thing. Well, and I said and I said. On, the, on TV. I said, you know, we'll build the whole damn, we'll build walls along the whole damn border if you'll just let us, because we can do it. And we can. I mean, private pr- private enterprise, uh, individual people donating, you know, an average of $60. And look what can be done. And I mean, I'm not paid a dime. I, there, you know, there are a few people that are paid for for what I mean certainly have to pay for the construction and everything but i mean nobody's making brian Kofag. nobody's making money off of this the money goes into the project itself i've never been paid a penny being on the board and all the travel now they, you know i do get travel but that's all and, and and i want people to know that this is a this is a legit group of wonderful people um there's a, the, i call him the kind of ceo of it down there um chris Kobach who is an old friend of mine. He was uh, the Secretary of State in, in uh, Kansas. He Kansas. ran for governor. Yeah, Kansas. He ran for governor, uh, was unsuccessful, but um, he has been the, the, the main driving force. Uh, uh, Steve Bannon, um, is. Mm-hmm. he actually hired me uh, years ago um, to write for Breitbart, which I did for several years. Then I ran when I ran for governor, I had to stop. But um, he called, he's the one that called me and said, Hey, how'd you like to do this? And I said, All right, you know, you must be kidding. Of course I would love to do this. And so I got, you got good people, you got, um, you know, a, a, an absolutely incredible enterprise and uh, you can, people can be proud of what those folks are. accomplished. I certainly am. Well, I love it.
2: I mean, I, I love the, I love the sound of it. I mean, and and what what you guys have accomplished, and I saw what it looks like. I saw the video, and it's it's impressive. I mean, if we can if we can keep doing this and keep privately funding the situation, then I think it could strongly pay off for us. And I think we could. I think we have something here. I really do. I, you
7: we know, do. Just about.
2: It's, to, go ahead.
7: It's not easy. I have to tell you, this is not an easy thing because, first of all, we had to essentially survey the entire border from California to the end of New, New Mexico um, and, and to see who owned what, right? To see who owns the actual property adjoining, uh, abutting the border. Because our criteria are, uh, one, it, it has to be um, a piece of property that is uh, abutting the, the Mexico border. It, two, it has to be privately owned. Three, there, have to be a, uh, there has to be a problem. There has to be, you know, some issue with with illegals coming through there. Uh, four, we have to be able to get it through the local um, establishment, if you will, the the, the 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 city council, the planning, and all that junk. Not easy, and and they will stop you every way they can. And that does get a little more. That gets expensive. We have to pay, you know, lawyers for that. But once we get that done, then we can proceed uh, with uh, with what we've accomplished. And um, I, I think honestly, people should, if they get a chance, um, come yeah. down to El Paso and take a look because it's, I you'd love, love it. You yeah, can walk I mean, up and see it. <laughs> yeah, I,
2: I'll come down there and check it out. Uh, definitely. And yeah, I love what you guys are doing. And, you know, I live in Arizona, so. Uh, the border is obviously a big issue here, and it has been for many years. And uh, you know, and the tough
7: thing about just... Arizona. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, oh, no,
2: no, no, go, no, go ahead.
7: <laughs> uh, I was just going to say the the tough thing about Arizona is that it is about about ninety percent of the land on the border is owned by the government or, or controlled, uh, yes. easements or whatever. Um,
1: on Texas,
7: uh, Texas and New Mexico, a lot more. Uh, we have a lot more opportunities than we do in Arizona, simply because, as I say, you know, it's just not. I don't know why that is. Why is that? You tell me. You live there. I can't figure out why Arizona ended up with like ninety percent of the land on the border being owned by the government, but Texas and Arizona, it's not that way at all. I don't know what. I know. I, can't figure, I don't know why.
2: I, I don't either. I really don't. Um, but I, I do want. I do want to get, get back to something and ask you about this. So. I, I was reading, and you know, I wasn't a big Bush fan either. You know, I I thought a lot of his policies. I mean, I, I did some of the things he he did were good. And he did some he did some good stuff, but also there were some things that I didn't agree with. You know, um, some of the I things that you know I thought were rhino-ish. Uh, others I thought were were conservative, but uh, in terms of his policy, but it was. It was so Jacqueline high for me you know, in a lot of ways. And tell me about tell me about the fight with Carl Rove though. You know, because that was like public headlines. That was like sure. fame. And, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. Know, it sound, it sound so funny.
7: <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you exactly how it happened. Because I, I, I know. Correct uh, me
2: if I'm wrong. You had some issues with what the Bush administration was doing with policy, so you called out Carl oh, Rove, correct?
7: Big time. Yeah, I called out the president and. Uh,
0: so oh yeah,
1: yeah.
7: I uh, I was giving an interview to the Washington Times, okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
7: Uh, and and um, it was they had a a luncheon set up, and I was I, I was brought in to talk to them about immigration policy. This is right after uh, 9/11, okay. And I said to them, uh, if we have another event like 9/11. And if nothing more has been done on our borders to protect us, and if nothing more has been done in the interior of the country to deal with the people who are here already illegally, because you remember most of those people on 9-11, they were illegal. you know They, they had uh, either violated – they had either lied about their visa, on their visa, or had long since uh, overstayed it. They, m- m- I can't remember right now how many, but 90% of them. Uh, were illegal and so they were illegal aliens that did this and and i said if no more is done to to secure the border and to secure the interior of the country against the people who are here already illegally and plotting and and we have another incident then the blood of the people killed in that will be on the hands and the, on the head of the president of the united states and on this congress for not doing it so i got in the car that morning uh, that was like one day then and so the next morning i got in my car and was driving to work and driving up to the Capitol and uh phone rings and I look at it and it says White House and you know golly I I never really got that many calls from the White House. So uh, I said all right So it, it was kind of shocking. Said, Hello and and the lady says, Hold for Carl Rowe. And I said, okay. He got on, he says, uh, I said, well Carl, how are you? He said, well I was a lot better until I read the paper. And I said, well, I haven't read it yet, but I, I know what I said. And so if they got, quoted me accurately, I can also understand why you're upset. He goes, that's why. That's when he started calling me. I mean, he went ballistic. And we yelled at each other all the way up, um, with, uh, all the way from Alexandria, Virginia, up to um, the Capitol. Um, and, and he said, and, and at one point, he, well, he called me a traitor a traitor to the party, a traitor to the president. Oh, and, and I started to tell you, you know, I, I explained many, many times to to, to him that night, that, that morning, and to the Speaker of the House, um, and to anybody else that attacked me for attacking the leadership and the president. I said, look, every year that I am reelected, I stand, and the first year I was elected, and every year thereafter, I stand and on the floor of the house, I raise my hand and um I take an oath, and the oath is not to the president. the oath is not to the party the oath is to uphold the constitution that is the constitution yep yeah. yeah. yeah that 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 is what I'm here for not to be- yeah you know, i don't have any um, motivation uh to, to just be uh, the president's guy or or the leadership's guy because then I'll go, I will tell you something that really and truly has happened to me. And yeah, this tells you everything you need to know about what's wrong with Congress. I uh, Because I would speak out on this issue all of the time, I would do these things called uh, special orders uh, at night. It, you, you, could, you can go on the floor of the house. You can speak after the house has done its business until midnight. You can uh, sign up for an hour in between there and, and have the floor. Um, I would do that as often as I could, because, almost every night, because it's the only thing I had. I had no other way as a freshman, sophomore, nothing. And then, of course, as a pariah, uh, uh, the only thing I had was this little venue uh, on the floor of the house, and the only people watching were on C-SPAN. And because there's nobody on the floor, there's, you're not talking, and there's nobody in the house, right? You may be gesticulating and pounding the, the covodium, but there's nobody out there. There's some people behind you that have to be there but on the, on the dais. But um, I did it night after night. Well, as a result, I, I started getting all these invitations to come and speak all over the country. Because people were listening and they'd say, you know, this guy, he, he's saying things that I i think are true. And yet, and he doesn't look like he's a white supremacist. He <laughs> doesn't look like, and I, I don't think he's a racist. I mean, you know, I'm this little Dago kid from North Denver. That's who I am. And and I, 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 I'm now in Congress and I'm trying my best to advance an issue I firmly believe in. Because I believe with all my heart that massive immigration of people who don't believe in America, people who will not assimilate. The the, the the Balkanization of America, the tribalization of America, it is a dagger pointed at the heart of our republic. I have always believed that. That's why I've spent so much time on it. Well, so then I'd I keep speaking all over the country, right? And then, so I'm speaking in, in Boise, Idaho, and, uh, and Philadelphia, and everywhere. And right. It's almost all Republican groups, right, that are asking me. And and, and I'd, I'd tell them the the problem that we had um, with Republicans and with Democrats. And because the Democrats, of course, they wanted open borders for the votes and the Republicans wanted open borders borders for cheap labor. And so I would tell them that. Well, inevitably somebody would go, Well, how's our guy? How's Fred? You know? And I'd say, Fred? Fred's lousy. Uh and uh, Fred's Republican. I said, Well, yeah. He's a Republican. He's lousy. Well, I couldn't. I wouldn't get out of the building until Fred was and and Fred was on the phone calling, you know, the Speaker and Tom Delay, who was the Whip. And because this is like the ultimate sin, you you go. You're a Republican. You go to a Republican district and you diss the guy or the lady. But what was I going to do? Lie? No, And they are lousy. And so I'd get back to Congress, and, and, and the speaker would call me in, and, but mostly it was uh, Tom DeLay. He was the whip, and he was the one that was – he was the hammer. And so he'd say to me, you gotta, you got to knock this off. You have to stop this. You can't go into these districts. you know." And he was, it would be very forceful. One time, so he finally says, I've had it. you I want to see you right now. Right this – and, you know, it was one of those things where – does it in a way you think? Hmm, does he have our kids? I wanted to call my wife and say, "Where are the children? <laughs> do, do they have them?" So you know, you go in, and he says, "He goes, um, how many times have I brought you in here?" I said, I know, "A lot." And he said, "All right, this is it. This is the last time. And this is the this is the last. This is what I'm going to tell you, and I want you to listen carefully." And you're thinking, "My God, what you know? What can they do? Kill me? What can they do to me?" Right.
1: Um, Right. Right. uh, And
7: and he says, he says, you keep this, uh, you keep this up, you little S.O.B. He says, you will ruin your career in this place. (laughs) And I said, I said, that's it. That is it. I said, ruin my career. Tom, I said, I don't know how to break this to you. I don't want a career in this place. I don't like this place. Now, I tell you this little vignette here because it tells you everything you need to know. He thought that was the most serious threat he could level. And for most of my colleagues, it was. Right. Because you see, you you come in and you learn immediately. If you want to be... Uh, on a special committee that can raise a lot of money in your campaign, if you want the leadership to to have people come out to your district and do fundraisers for you, if you want your bills to pass, if you want to go on all the trips, you you learn immediately that all that, in in, in order to accomplish that, you have to essentially, you know, sell your soul. Exactly what they, they do. They do, and and so that's what's wrong. That's the problem, and it's not just Republicans. Certainly, I mean, it's every, you know, it's, it's all along the line, but that's the thing they've got the over your head. You do you, you're going to ruin your career in this place, and they think that that is the ultimate threat. And as I say to many of my colleagues, it actually was.
2: Yeah, that's you know that's that's the sad part. And you know what I love about you is that you've always been by the book you've always gone by the constitution uh you've got you got rewarded from the national taxpayers union um you know where you were you got a grade a for them each year you served in congress i mean that's huge i mean it just goes to show that you were perfect on economics you were very tough on terror um and you know all all of this different stuff you were very tough on um going going into the terror part real quick um the Bush administration wasn't so tough on terror, don't you agree? Is that that's why you had issues with them, right?
8: And the well,
7: border. the border primarily. Um, the you know I I think that the Patriot Act was was probably a mistake, um, and that of course was a Bush era uh, um, a bill. Um, the uh, one of the things that I, I really didn't like at all and voted against was the was the creation of ICE uh, and, and the amalgamation of all these different agencies. Um, it, it, it created a, a bigger bureaucracy than anybody would imagine. And one more unwieldy, I think. Um, so it's a, it's a tough thing because you are doing a, a, um, a dance, if you will, mm-hmm. on, a, on a very right. tight wire between, between individual freedom yeah. And collective security. The, that yeah, you did, always... you did a
2: lot of ads and stuff on border security. You were a big advocate. You were all over the media.
7: Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Some of the ads I did when I was running for president, <laughs> I, you ought to grab a couple of them if you get a chance. They're, they're great. Right. Well, we <laughs> continue. continue to,
2: no, absolutely. I will. But continue with what you're saying <laughs> about border security. I like this.
7: Well, well, it's, it's that you are always confronted with that when you start talking about this security issue. Uh, collective security versus individual freedom. It, there is a trade-off, absolute trade-off. And it, it all depends on how much you're willing to trade-off for one for the other, because they are undeniably tied together. And and so it's hard, and it, cause, because... You are set those, I mean, you know, one of your responsibilities as a federal government is to protect the citizenry, right? And so you're, you know, you're confronted with a lot of proposals for that purpose and you have to weigh them. You have to say, okay, how much security can you get? How much do you have to give up? And that was, that's always a tough one, buddy. And sometimes, you know, I'd vote one way and because I thought it was worth it and Sometimes I, I wouldn't vote for it, and, but it's a, it's a balancing act that you're, you're trying your level best to maintain, and, uh, and I'm not perfect by any means. And, and there, there were, golly, uh, folks that I served with who, who's, who I believe to be constitutional scholars far, far better than I ever could be, and uh, I, I looked at them as mentors in, in many, 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 many ways, um, but there just and weren't you... very many of them.
2: And you ninety ninety like ninety seven percent of your donations for some of your for quite a few of your campaigns were from individuals. That goes to show how much oh, how well you were liked. Yeah. It was quite a bit. I read.
7: I had the highest percentage of small donors of anybody running. So I mean, any of my colleagues at, at the time. Yeah, and you ran. And it, it was great. You ran
2: for governor. You ran for a lot of stuff. President.
7: Oh, yeah. I ran for governor. Absolutely, I told you I got 37 percent and the Republican got 11 <laughs> percent. And unfortunately, the Democrat got 48. You know, so
1: we uh, we lost.
7: But um, but, yeah, it, it has been wonderful. Because, but it's hard, you know, because I got to tell you, I don't have never have had major big donors. And one reason is because, of course, um most of them have businesses that, you know, rely on cheap labor, and so I'm not a friend uh, to the to the Chamber of Commerce, um, and, and hence you don't get a lot of big big uh, donations. But um, right. but we were able to you know uh, to actually do pretty well, and when I ran for president, uh, I've forgotten, we raised. I don't know three or four million dollars, I guess, and and I mean who again? Who was I? I? I I didn't have any big supporters, but um but what I had done is to travel all over the country, and I and I, I had made a name for myself on the issue, which gave me the, the the ability to get into the debates. That's how that happened. Because you know anybody can say I'm going to run for president, but you can't get into the debates unless you have some. There's got to be some When I look at some of the Democrats, I don't know what they ever did to get in. <laughs> so I, I guess it doesn't always work that way. Right, right. No,
2: no, absolutely. And I, I was also going to ask you. You know, you were, you were never a big fan of multi-multiculturalism, and you know, uh, <laughs> obviously that's a big problem. That's a big problem. Multi, yeah. you know, that 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 situation. And um, I know you. I know you've spoken out about that, and also. What are your thoughts about the Iraq and Afghan war? How do you feel about that?
7: Yeah, no, uh, uh, the let's first the cult, I call it the cult of multiculturalism. Okay. Um, I, I, I think I even penned that phrase. Uh, I know I, I, used it in my book. I wrote a book in 2006, something like that. Um, uh, and um, it was called, it's called immortal danger. um, and, and, and uh, the the idea of this cult of multiculturalism, which has taken over our country, our our, our schools, the pop culture, uh, right. is it is this idea that there is no there is there's nothing of value in America, nothing that, that we are a country that was uh, brought about by people who were, you know, slave-owning racists, um, lots of old men, misogynists uh, um, and and greed and all that sort of thing. And so there's nothing of value here. Come here, enjoy the the benefits of a free market, but on the other hand, uh, maintain your allegiance to the country of origin or to your culture. And, you know, it's the idea that diversity is the ultimate uh, positive characteristic of a country is it's oxymoronic thought. You can't have the thing that holds you together as a being the love of diversity. It's, it just doesn't work. You you have to have something that holds you together. In, in, in our case, it's a language that starts with a language. If you don't know the language, if you won't learn the language, If you won't speak the language, if you create these little enclaves um, where um, a a different language is is spoken entirely, it inhibits the whole process of assimilation that was carried on for many, many years. And it's got nothing to do with the person's color or their ethnicity. It has everything to do with their desire to be an American and drop their allegiances to other countries. My grandparents, I'm sure yours, uh, when they came here in the 1890s, one desire and that was to become an American. They wanted to. My parents are first generation
6: Americans,
7: right? But my parents couldn't speak five words of Italian, and because because their parents wouldn't let them, didn't want them to. Now i I wish in a way that wasn't the. I wish I. I wish I were bilingual in that in that respect, or I could speak a lot of languages, but. But the point that my grandparents were trying to make to my parents was that right we are now Americans, and we're not part of any of the and we want uh, we want to assimilate we want to become part of America and the way you do that is you speak English and you uphold the laws and you you love the country and the flag and in that sort of thing that's that's all I ask uh, of any immigrant and and I don't think it's too much to ask, but the cult of multiculturalism absolutely, absolutely destroys that whole concept
9: yeah. uh,
7: it's of di- being in American.
9: It's a
1: disease.
7: Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, and yeah, the Iraq, Iraq war. I will tell you right now. I I absolutely believe that the. Well, I, I'm going to – I'll tell another little anecdote. I don't know how long we've got, by the way. Like, I've been going on
2: quite oh, No, you're – you're good. Going, you're good. Just, yeah, well, I mean, we're, right. we're a little – we're on a little bit of a timer, but you're good. You're fine.
7: Okay. All right. Let me tell you what happened once. Um, uh, I belonged to something called the Liberty Caucus that Ron Paul ran in Congress. Mm-hmm. And there were maybe, yeah. I don't know, eight, eight or nine of us, right? And we would meet in his office – once a month on a thursday if i remember correctly and he would always have um a speaker and Mm -hmm. um one time it was a retired this was after the war um a retired uh member of the joint chiefs of staff and this guy's task as a member of the joint chiefs a general his task was to uh, was over planning and planning for every contingency you can imagine and there are plans for everything and so um 911 occurs and um of course they you go think to it was him and say um no no i don't think that no um i i think it was perpetrated by this this primarily by saudis um and by uh, Osama bin Laden I do uh, but but they go to him and they say what's the plan what's the plan and he says the plan well we go to Afghanistan we kill Osama bin Laden destroy the Taliban and come home well they take the plan to the White House and Wolfowitz um, it, it sees it and calls him in and he said uh, what's this uh, Afghanistan he says well well, yeah, that's where the Taliban is. That's where that's where we believe Osama bin Laden. That's who did this. And Wolfowitz says, "Now nah, we're going to go to Iraq." And this this general said, "What do you mean Iraq? What the hell for?" Well, we of course eventually we did go to uh, to Afghanistan, but then we went to Iraq. And I will tell you that the plan to go into Iraq preceded. Us going there by a long time and preceded Saddam Hussein. It it was before any thought was given to him, for whatever purpose. Now now I cannot tell you. I do not know the actual reason that that the plan was to go to Iraq. It could have been um, oil. It could have been because um, Saddam Hussein had threatened to kill um, um, Bush one. It could have been. Because they uh, the benign, uh, well, I won't say benign, but the, the more altruistic aspect would be to say that we went there because what our desire was was to, was to plant um, the seeds of democracy in, uh, in in a barren field of totalitarianism, um, and we believed that they hated the people hated. Saddam Hussein, and we'd we'll throw rose petals in our path, <clears throat> and it would be an easy thing to do. And then from that point on, all the now that's that's one of the you know the, the reasons I've been given. I do not know the real reason. All I know is that the desire and the plan to go there preceded us doing it by a long time.
2: Yeah, and so so Afghan and Iraq we were not big fans of.
7: Yeah. No. Well, I, it, I, I uh, Iraq especially for me, and 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 Afghanistan. Could have,
2: don't you think it could have been avoided? Don't you think these things could have been avoided? I mean, I mean, it totally destabilized the Middle East, and you know, I, I just, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it is frustrating, but you know.
7: I do agree with you entirely on Iraq, um, and and I also agree that we should never have stayed in Afghanistan. Exactly. Uh, you could go in. You could go in, do what that the general talked about, you know, destroy the Taliban, kill Saddam Hussein, get out. That's done. Right. You, you could do that in a relatively short period of time with a with a minimum of, of disruption around the Middle East. But but you guys listen to me. Foreign policy, especially because I was I was on the Foreign Relations Committee, and I will tell you that foreign policy especially in that part of the world, trying to actually devise a plan to, to make something happen that you want. All right. It's like, it's like looking in a kaleidoscope. And, and, and you're trying to get all those little pieces to sort of fall together to make the picture you want, but somebody keeps turning that lens. It, it is damn near impossible to, to do, to accomplish. Um, and, and so, believe me, uh, I am a much more of a sort of, uh, I guess, uh, Pat Buchanan uh, advocate on the foreign policy than than anything else.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it's it, it is one of those things. I mean, that the you know, so many lives lost, so much money spent, um, just a, just a lot of things that were. In my strong opinion, unnecessary. But I agree. I think what I think the whole Afghan thing we should not have stayed. There's no way. Um, yeah, right, and, you know, right, right. And what do you think about the current situation? I mean, with places like Syria, and I mean, we're even still in Iraq and Afghan, technically. I mean, they're not yeah. all out of there yet. I mean, what do you think of the right. current situation?
7: Oh, I, I think get out, stay out, forget about it. Um, the you will never. That especially that part of the world, um, unless you can draw a, a very, very clear line between and something that's happening there and our immediate safety and security, unless you can do right. that, just stay the hell out of it. It's a it's a quagmire, and uh, I mean, you, know, Winston Churchill, who who has not tested that theory over the last couple. Yeah. 100 years or more, right? Uh, right. The Brits. Um, you name it. There, Everybody's t- t- tried to impose a particular ideology or, or governmental situation over there. Um, forget about it, as they would say. Forget about it, yes. as my relatives would say. <laughs> and I really –
2: you know what I really want to ask you about? You were very critical of the Obama birth certificate and I mean I I know for a fact it's a fake and I, I'm not even I'm not even being hyper I'm not even exaggerating being hyperbolic I'm saying with 100% certainty and I'll tell you why my, my good friend Joe Arpaio uh, America stuffshire oh yeah he was one of the first yeah. people he was one of the first people to investigate this birth certificate and he had so many experts look at the look at it and they proved it was a false document. He had people, you know, that he hired that were—that's what they did for a living. They examined, you know, uh, if a document was false or not. Um, and they came to the conclusion that this birth certificate that Obama suddenly, randomly provided after he was pounded, you know, by the media and by different by voters to release it—it's it, totally fake. It's not real at all. It's totally a doctor document, and you you are one of the other people that early on that agreed too that it was not sufficient, it was not legitimate, it was not real. It's and it's probably the biggest scandal, or at least one of them ever. We have a, we had a guy in office that was born in Kenya.
7: I remember when he said he was speaking somewhere, and he slipped and said something about um, my home my home is Kenya. My going home to my, yeah. I, I can't remember yeah. the exact words now, but that I remember him slipping and, and letting that out. Yeah. Well, there, there's so many things though, honestly, I don't even know where to start in terms of what damage I believe he did to this country and, and quite on purpose, just, it, it all revolves around the, the, um, promise that he made or maybe the, uh, the claim that he made that he was going to thoroughly transform America. That encompasses everything I really and truly, you know, (laughs) right after the election, we had all these, um, right after Bush's, I mean, uh, uh, Trump's election. Yes, We had all of these, uh, we had all these demonstrations all over the country, right? And campuses were rioting. And so I they were going to have a, a demonstration up at the University of Colorado State yeah, University yeah. in toronto and so I decided to take a few kids that worked for me at the time and go up there and counter demonstrate. And so I took a um, I took my truck. We we put a, a crib in it and we put a, a, a baby buggy and a couple of other things and we went up and we set up this little little place up on the top of a hill in the middle of this what was going to be the place where they had the demonstration and there were like five of us and and there were eventually about a thousand people demonstrating <laughs> and there's the five of us with this we had we had the crib with a sign that says um safe space here and then we had just the baby buggy that said um uh, it said uh, transportation to the next event, and and then I stood there uh, uh, with a sign. Um, I mean, we, also, we oh by, by the way we had a little um, uh, little towels on the table. We called crying towels and and, um, uh, and pacifiers. We had actually pacifiers that we were saying Um and and then I stood there with the sign. Um, and 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 it, the sign said something about you know uh, we're not going to I, I I am not I don't want your thorough I don't want you to thoroughly transform America, and um, and and and, and, I, and then below it it said suck it up Buttercup, and so all of the that's all that we had that's all we had now we were all everybody was carrying it because we didn't know you know, kind of what the situation would be. But anyway, so uh, we um, – uh, uh, and the people would come up, and they would yell at us and everything. But the thing they yelled at the most was my sign saying, suck it up, buttercup. And they kept saying, you don't know. You don't know what it's like. Oh, you can't imagine what we feel. And I said, right. oh, yes, yeah, I can. they like
1: vultures. They're
7: vultures. Yeah, they're eight, yeah. I said, I, eight years, eight years. I have lived with a guy who wants to thoroughly transform America eight years. I had to suck it up. Well, now it's your turn, but they hated that. They hated that one sign. Suck it up, buttercup. It was funny. It was funny. Anyway, buddy, I
2: bet, I bet. Um, kind of
7: running out of juice here.
2: Kevin, Kevin, go ahead. Well, it's an
3: absolute honor to talk to you, good sir. And, uh, I'm, Definitely loving how you have such a Pat Buchanan uh, influence in your life. So uh, let me just say, first of all, that what a backwards world we live in, where you have police that are stopping you from building that wall. You have the Department of Homeland Security that are busting illegals to the interior of the country. I mean, you have Barack Obama is sending pallets, billions of dollars in cash to our enemies in Iran, yet we can't even get funding for this wall. I mean, even Obama had this – uh, you know these uh detainment centers for these illegals under much worse conditions than they are right now, which uh Trump had reversed, and you know also you know this children in cages thing of course was obama uh and, and trump uh, left that policy and uh so
1: That's and, right That's you know right.
3: They, they, these uh these concentration camps as as the liberals are calling it, are not concentration camps at all, of course you know uh we have veterans that are, you know, fighting for our country and uh, on the other side of the world that they have no rights and they're under these terrible, horrible conditions. And you know, these liberals are complaining about how these illegal aliens, these criminals are, you know, not satisfying all their you know needs um, as they're being detained in this system. And uh, so much can be said about how there's all these double standards as far as um, you know, the Obama administration had more deportations uh, than our current Administration, and there's also less uh, detainment centers right now uh, than before. I mean, which seems to be a a very much a losing battle in the immigration front. And um, you know, I'm really curious. I want to ask you this question: and why isn't it the case where you know um, that Trump can't use the military to protect our border or use military funding to protect our border? Why why can't we be a little bit more? You know, like Israel, for example, the most liberal nation in the entire continent that they live in. Um, you know, they're they're protecting their border wonderfully. I mean, they're they're not anything more special than America is. Why why can't we do that?
7: Okay, um, a couple of things there. First of all, uh, we can use the military to a certain extent. How you should know, you guys. I, I think you are. Aware of something called Posse Comitatus. Uh, posse Comitatus is a um, is a legal thing that we operate under that says, and it's been this way for a uh, hundred years or more, that you know you cannot use the military to interdict and and to uh, or to enforce the law. Uh, against American citizens well of course you're not I mean if if you put the military on the border you're not enforcing the law against citizens but but nonetheless there's this hesitancy to use the military in any um, unless you have martial law you know where they come in 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 a flood or something like that but a great hesitancy to use the military to enforce domestic laws They. So that's one thing that's sort of prevented it, although they have used, and both Bush and um, and other, and, and, and Trump have used National Guard troops. But you have to get governors to agree to that also, um, and some won't do it, as you probably know. And so there's there's that. There's a, there's a legal sort of technicality, if you will, or a legal obstacle, direct application of military force on the border. Um, in terms of the president's ability to actually fund it through the use of, of, uh, of uh, Pentagon sources resources, well the Supreme Court, as you know, has ruled that he can, and of course he can he is indeed the Uh, commander in chief and and the chief executive officer of the country and the head of the executive branch. Yes, he absolutely can do that. You should see the stuff over, I mean, you should, in, in, in all the budgets I voted on or against, which was almost every one, the budgets for the, for the military always included stuff that has nothing to do with, with national security, nothing. I mean, abortions on, on bases, you know, stuff like that, paying for uh, ridiculous stuff that was in there. Nobody said anything about that. I mean, certain we would, but nobody suggested it wasn't his, the, the president's ability to, to move those funds around if he wanted. And so it happens all the time. Uh, but now he can. Um, and the, but the obstacles you have to to realize that securing the border Stopping illegal immigration, in, in enforcing the rule of law in that respect, is not something that is universally accepted by the elites in both parties. As I said, the, right. as a matter of fact, the status quo is for them. It's better. They like it. They don't. And and, and here's another thing. Please realize this. Open borders. Massive immigration of people who are are going to be uh, uh, demanding things from the system and not assimilating, this is a tactic in the strategy, in the war against Western civilization, and, of course, the United States of America in particular. But it is a war against Western civilization, as you can see going on in in uh, Europe and uh And all over the place because um, the left is committed to the – excuse me. I'm losing my voice because I've done four or five of these today, these uh, shows. Um, They are committed, absolutely committed to the destruction of the America that you and I love, okay? It is their reason for existence and hence this immigration issue is their major power play here. It's got nothing right. to do with, you know, making people feel better about, and, you know, we have to pour these poor people in one chair. No, 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 no. Believe me, if these folks coming in all got here and voted Republican, there would be a wall on the border 50 feet high with, with uh, 50 caliber machine guns on the top and broken glass. They. It is a political this is a political problem, nothing else. Right? Right. Not a humanit It's humanitarian, because of course they want to ignore the problems we face. But anyway, out of steam here, buddy. Yeah. I'm going to be uh, hoarse in just a second. I can tell.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll let you go. We, we have a few more people that would just want to ask you a few things. Um, Arch, go ahead.
8: Uh, hey, Congressman, uh, it's an honor to be able to, to talk to you tonight. And I think the amount of money that you have raised is a testament to where Americans are at with the border wall, and and it shows that 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 a lot of the country is 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 for it. Um, And it was, uh, and I'll echo what Kevin said. Um, You know, it's astounding the opposition that you have uh, you have encountered trying to get this done. Um, I guess my question is, you know. you You say both sides you know it shows this also shows the, the the obstacles that you've had shows the shows what Trump is up against, you know because you mentioned it's both parties, and trump has been his was elected you know because he was a he was for the people he was a populist really and yeah. he um, and, and I think he wants to do what the people- American people want and i think he and, and I know he's fighting two parties what is your prognosis on really getting this wall complete along with what you're doing privately and what he's trying to do on a government level?
7: Right now, that it will depend entirely on what happens in 2020. And not if not just if he's reelected, but if he is reelected resoundingly and if the Congress changes back. Um, even the Republican opposition in Congress will begin to, uh, Republican opposition to him will begin to fade mm-hmm. un- with that scenario. Okay, yeah. so it's w- it's winning, winning the election
1: and the mm-hmm. Congress
7: that will comp- that will do the, the trick. That will build the wall. Short of that, it will be this hit and miss process, and we will always have these big gaps mm-hmm. that presently occur. Of course.
2: Absolutely. Thank one you, more, sir. One more. Per- one more person, uh, Eddie. Eddie, go ahead. Do you yeah. Have
7: any thoughts, Eddie?
2: Yeah. Um. Hello. Eddie, are you there? No, I'm here. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, cut out. I don't know
11: what happened. Yeah, no, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Right. Go ahead. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh. Yes, Congressman. So, um, I've been doing some research about. Legal immigration, immigration, and my um, my views about immigration have matured in the sense that before I used to act like a civic nationalist um, in terms of immigration, where I would say it's okay to have legal immigrants. I mean, as long as they come here legally. But what struck me was uh, what struck a chord in January was when Trump um, said that he would raised legal immigration in large numbers during the state of the union address. I was, I thought that was something that was suicidal. And I mean, suicidal for the West that in terms of demographics, in terms of people like non-citizen or non-whites coming here illegally, it could definitely change the demographics in the future.
1: Now, why is
11: it that Trump changed um, his rhetoric from 2016 all the way to 2019 like that 3 year gap um is it because of his uh, surroundings the people his advisors
7: well i i don't know young man i i don't know i i i don't commune with him and uh, he doesn't um, you know ask for my opinion or or um, advice i i only can say that which i've said over and over again massive immigration both legal and illegal of people who don't assimilate into this country is a dagger at the heart of the republic it will eventually destroy us which is exactly why the left loves it it is why they are fervent in their pursuit of it it is everything to them it will accomplish all of their goals. Do you know Cloward and Piven are? They're two professors. I think it was was at Columbia? Put together that they they were two socialists and put together this this theory, the Cloward-Piven theory about how you bring down the country. And it is to import massive numbers of people who will make massive demands on the system, that collapses. This this is that's why people have to understand it for what it is and why Bush, I mean why Trump you know makes um sometimes uh, one step backward in, in in the instead of two forward I, I don't know i do know that i've never before had the i i didn't think i'd live to see a president who would actually commit to the extent that he has uh to the idea of securing the border and to now i'll tell you the other thing he did say and that we have to remember, and absolutely agree with, immigration should be based on our needs, our needs. What do we yeah. need in this country? What are the skills right. that are necessary? Merit. You know. And, and, Merit. So, and he, did, he did come out for that. That's a total change, complete change in the immigration uh, um, philosophy since 1965 when Teddy Kennedy switched it from, what, from something similar to that to um what's called family unification which is now what has created this massive problem so that is an important step if we can take it in that direction i hope it's not just rhetoric um but again all, it will depend upon his re-election and the uh, election of a congress that will support him now i have to say i am i'm very hopeful um that this president will do the things he has promised to do by and large, maybe not everything, but by and large. But I, I do fear what will happen after he's gone. Because our opponents don't ever stop. They will never stop until they have destroyed the Republic. And, and so they may see him as an impediment, which they certainly do. But we'll, but they'll still be here, and yeah. where will we be? Where will we be? I don't it, know. It is scary. To that. It's
9: scary to
2: think yeah. about. I will let you go, though, but please tell everybody where they can find you, connect with you, um, all oh, that sure. Good stuff.
7: Sure. Tom Tancredo on Facebook, um, and uh, then the um, – of course, WeBuildTheWall.us, that's the one to go to. we. <laughs> Team America pack. That's my pack.
2: Sounds good, my friend. Well, it's really been a pleasure, Congressman, and uh, we'll have you back again soon. And uh, uh, we, yeah, we really appreciate it.
7: Likewise, my friend. And you guys, as I tell you, the the only thing that does give me hope, lets me sleep at night, is to know that you and, and thousands and thousands of others like you are there, um, telling Americans what is really happening. And what really needs to happen, and and therefore I I don't have to worry that everybody is relying on NBC, ABC, CBS, and the Washington right. Post. Yeah, you're yeah right.
2: you're absolutely right. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Good night, guys. You bet. All right, take take care. We'll be right back, everybody. Hello everybody, this is Rory Soder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else, and all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello everybody. This is Rory Soder from the Rory Soder show. Please visit the donaldjtrumpstore.com for all your authentic, customized and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else and best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit the TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you.
9: Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly. To communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the -the behind-the-scenes production. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doers resource for online video production.
2: And we are back, the Rory Shotter Show Coast to Coast, worldwide. Listen to it listen to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any Cast clips past episodes, or any 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, DNEx dot com. Also remember, in a month, I will be releasing the new 24-7 Media Network. We will be having many notable people doing their own shows. And my good friend, America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio, as well as director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. Both of those guys will be the main faces of the network. So uh, a lot to look forward to. Um, You know, we are are just about out of time. Uh, I do want to apologize to... Uh, w. Kirk Bell. Uh, I want to. I want to get him on for about an hour,
1: uh, the next
2: episode or as soon as possible. Uh, we just ran way too late tonight, and uh, I, I there was no way I could only talk to him for just a few minutes. I need about an hour or like 45 minutes with him. So we will definitely get him back. Um, and yeah, so so I apologize for that. Um, just to just to name a few headlines real quick. Uh, There was a poll out today. President Trump is now more popular in New York City than Bill de Blasio. I mean, that's not a shocker, but, you know, I mean, that's really speaking volumes. I mean, they hate their mayor there. They really hate their mayor. And everybody knows how liberal New York City is. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's so true. And uh, President Trump came out yesterday, I think, and, you know, he's saying what we're all saying. Democrats use the racism attacks every time they are down. They really do. Every time they're down, every time they're behind, every time they're losing, they they pull these racism garbage attacks, these cheap attacks that have no merit. But and it only basically resonates with the victim players, you know, the sheep the sheep voters that think they're think they're victims. It's pathetic. I mean, our society has turned so freaking weak. I am tired of it. Um, obviously, like I said earlier in the show, the biggest ice uh raid came today. They arrested 680 illegal aliens. Uh, Bravo, bravo to ICE. Um, I give them high props, and uh, we're lucky to have them. Uh, It is official today that the White House has prepared executive action on big tech bias. So big tech will now be uh, taking accountability. I mean, the the DOJ, the White House, they're putting stuff together uh, that's basically going to carry, I mean, it's going to, Carry. I mean, it's going to go through. There's, there's no, there's, there's no way it doesn't. I mean, the, Trump is very serious about cracking down and holding these people accountable and making them pay and not allowing them to be
4: biased and censoring people simply because they disagree with them. It's sick, sick, sick stuff. It really is. Um, you know, this is silly. Liberals are now boycotting uh, the Equinox, which is one
2: of the most nicest gyms in. A, you know, in the LA area, because this guy hosted a fundraiser for Donald Trump. I mean, you know, this is, you know, and, and all the celebrities go to Equinox. So, whoever boycotting it on the left, it's not going to hold over. I mean, it, it will never, it will never last. I mean, Equinox is way too much of a powerful business and a hot spot uh, to be, you know, to fail over some stupid boycott. But I'll, you know, it's just crazy the 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 limits and and the amount of. Uh,
9: distance. The, these these left wing nuts will go.
2: Across uh, to Visa, they will continue to sell uh, their cards. That, you know, they'll they sorry, they'll continue to be involved uh, with the gun industry. You know, we've seen a lot of businesses boycott. Uh, you know, with the whole gun control stance, but Visa is sticking by the Second Amendment and Americans, which I deeply respect. Um, let's see here, what else? Uh, California. California, huge knife attack uh, yesterday. Four dead. It makes me wonder. California is the biggest communism uh, state in America. I wonder if they're going to start doing knife control. I mean, I wonder if they'll turn into London. I would not be surprised. Gavin Newsom is such a a disaster. That guy is a – he is the devil. I mean, this guy is as evil as it gets. And, uh, you know, I think (laughs) if I was a betting man – I would say probably, that's probably the next thing, one of the next things he does. You know, they'll make they'll make a case out of any situation. They don't care. Um, Andrew McCabe and Peter Stork have now fired lawsuits against the FBI and DOJ uh, over the firing. It's not going to go anywhere, but, you know, they just want attention. Obviously, this is this is just silly, I, and, and obviously, I'll talk more about it as it develops, this story, but. Just right now, it's still early on, so I'm not really going to give much breath or air to this, but I will eventually. Um, you know, God, I the mainstream media, I hate how they'll talk about, you know, oppression in America, fake oppression, stuff that fits their narrative that they spin, but they refuse to talk about all the slaves in Africa. That was a huge article yesterday and today, and it's sick. I mean, for 400 years it's been going on, and the media doesn't even call it out stuff. seven. All right. So it looks like I've covered everything. Uh, let's go. Kevin, tell everybody where they can find you, connect
9: with
3: you. Oh, yes. You can find me at Nationalist United on social media or NationalistUnited.com. It was such a fun and a stimulating show, Rory. I can't wait for the next one.
2: All right. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Arch, please tell everybody where they can connect with you.
8: Uh, always a pleasure, Rory, to be with you. I am on Twitter at Arch Kennedy, and my website is archkennedy.com.
2: Absolutely, uh, Mark from Ohio, go ahead. Tell people where they can connect with you.
5: Amazing show. I can be reached at one mad rabbit on Twitter. Sounds sounds good, my friend.
2: Uh, let's go to Eddie. Sure. Tell everybody where they can connect with you.
11: Yeah, um you could check me out on Facebook on, on Eddie Frag or I also have um two other accounts on Facebook um or not Facebook but Twitter and uh Instagram. You could also follow me on Twitter as well as Eddie Frag and Instagram at Geek Conservative Texans nineteen ninety seven.
2: Perfect. Thanks Eddie.
11: All right, thank
2: I want to thank everybody uh, for tuning in tonight. It's been a fantastic show. I want to thank all my audience, my guests, my co-hosts and sponsors. You are fantastic, incredible. Uh, We have huge shows coming next week. A lot of big guests will be coming on, a lot of stuff to get to. I'll have more announcements. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. I hope it goes accordingly. I hope it's productive. I hope it's fun. I hope it's everything that it's meant to be. Uh, Well, God bless you, everybody. And we will see you all next week. I'm
4: Rory Sodder, mega, mega, mega. Much love, everybody. Cheers.